We go. We're live once again with another edition of Houston Round Bar View presenting Sports. The trio looks a little bit different right now because Willie Gibson is doing some uh, fatherly duties for, for at one of at uh, school. So he'll he'll join us when he can. Filling in for him right now is James Mueller, sports editor of Daily Cougar. And we're, okay, we just lost him again. But right now, I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar View. And you see James Mueller joining us, and hopefully, come back will be Andy Yanez from Paw Sama Jamma Community uh, Impact Newspaper, etc. But James, man, it was kind of short notice, but thank you very much for for filling in. How you doing, man? Good, good. I'm I'm happy to fill in, and glad to talk some sports with you today. How about you? I'm doing okay. Uh, Andy's having some tech issues. We got we got a thunderstorm. A few thunderstorms blowing through Houston, so that could we may have some technical issues for a while until the thunderstorms and lightning blows blows by. So we'll just make it work, see how it goes. And all right, James, your sports editor, the Cougar. We got some talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about Quinn Grimes, former Cougars. Well, once a Cougar, always a Cougar. We know that um, in the NBA summer league, Quinn. Dejan DeRoe, Armani Brooks out of uh, the health and safety protocols should be playing for the Rockets a few minutes tonight versus Orlando. So just your thoughts, what you've seen so far from Quentin and Dejan DeRoe. Yeah, I mean, they both had some really impressive games. Um, I think people were expecting big things from Quentin just with the hype that built up after his performance at the Combine and in those scrimmages. And I mean... Last night, I think he had 28, um, led the Knicks in scoring. He's been showing um, he can shoot, but then also just like his defense has been really impressive. I know there's a few clips that were circulating around on Twitter and stuff, um, but just watching him guard guys like Cade Cunningham, some of those top guys in the class, um, he, he could hold his own. And then Dejon, I mean, he's sort of the dark horse. You know, a lot of people outside of Houston didn't really know him that much and didn't really know what to expect. But he's showing that, you know, what he showed at UH, he can do a little bit of everything, right? He can score. He can assist. He's a good defender. um, And he's had a a double-double and two near triple-doubles. So, I mean, I think he's his performance is probably the most surprising for most people just because he's come out so strong. And as an undrafted player, you know, that's what you want to see from a guy like him in the summer league. You know, I think – Folks outside of Houston, non people who don't follow U of H basketball are surprised maybe a little bit by Dejan DeRose's performances. But if you saw, heard Kelvin Sampson's comments to the media about a month or so ago, Coach Sampson said to us point blank that Miami thought of Dejan DeRose as having made the team. Yeah. Thought of Dejan, they wanted, they were willing to buy a pick in the second round to get Dejan. And all signs pointing to Dejan making the team, giving him minutes in summer league, being part of the team, being vocal, um, a vocal leader, all those things. So media, you and me who are part of that call and uh, U of H fans who's seen Dejan throughout his career here, we're not surprised. Yeah. (laughs) So it's but it's good to see him shine. Yeah. Don't get me wrong about that. It's good to see him shine. But, you know, Coach Simpson knows basketball. You know, he didn't want to say too much to us because he didn't want to speak for Heat head coach Eric Spolster, but he did say, Dejan has made the team. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, But um, you touched on one thing about Quinn. There are clips about him. He, you know, he, he 
played great defense on Kay Cunningham. I won possession and stole the ball from Cade. And other times, Cade got Quentin. That's part of summer league. That's part of how, how it goes. But the Knicks overall, the youngsters are playing well. They're scoring. In uh, Tom Thibodeau, Coach Tibbs' opinion, their defense is not up to par. <laughs> you know, I'm sure yeah. that's really upset him a great deal. But let's shift to the Rockets. They got their fourth uh, summer league game this evening about 90 minutes from now. That's why we're doing this. Uh, folks talking sports now rather than our usual seven o'clock. They're playing Orlando, no Jalen Green because of hamstring concern or rest. I mean, it's only August. Um, Orlando's without Jalen Suggs. I think he has a thumb or wrist injury. Um, Rockets are also going to be without probably Kyrie Thomas because of soreness. So, so I'm not sure what is sore for him, but something is bothering him to keep him from playing. So it's just interesting to me. And Andy's chiming, trying to come back, yeah. joining us. It's it's kind of curious. Everybody so far has either played four summer league games or will play the fourth one today. Every top four, top five pick has missed time or will be set out because of rest, injury, precaution. It's, guys, they're already doing load management in summer league. Hmm. Kate Cunningham out with a calf immobile a dnp Jalen suggs out with a wrist thumb Jalen green hamstring guys i mean really what what's up with this what are your thoughts on on i mean i'm not saying they're not legitimately injured but it's summer league (laughs) so what are your thoughts on that i mean for me personally like I understand the Jalen Green situation a little. I've been following the Rockets the closest in the summer league, and I understand that a little more just because he did, like, you could see the injury um, during the game, and I understand holding him out. But I I don't understand all these, you know, did not play or, you know, holding out for various reasons, whether they're, like, serious injuries or not. Because summer league, the the great thing about summer league is that's the time to gel with these guys. You haven't played with these guys before. You need time, especially as a rookie, to, you know, really learn the system, get playing time in the system. This playing time – even though it's against, you know, first, second year players, it's very valuable and plays a big part in, you know, helping build confidence and just getting in a rhythm um, when the NBA season does come around. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, like James said, by the way, uh, I have no idea what is going on with my connection. It has just not worked out at all. So hopefully I don't cut off in the middle of my uh, sentence. But yeah, it's kind of um, a microcosm of what the NBA is today, especially with these top prospects. I mean, why risk it? That's the kind of the perspective that teams are doing. I mean, you mentioned the Rockets is a little bit more different because of, of Jalen Green. You actually saw the injury. And, I mean, Summer League is great and all, but in the grand scheme of things, in, this grand, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you saw a couple of years ago when the, like, the Lakers won the Summer League championship and then were, were terrible in the regular season. So I can see why teams are being a lot more conservative when it comes to playing their stars, especially if they're a top pick, because for these franchises, it's basically their job on the line. And if one of the top prospects gets a, a serious injury, then that's only going to look bad, not only on management, but on the coaching staff as well. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not being the old man of the, of the three. I am the oldest of the trio here. If the guys are legitimately injured, obviously don't, don't risk further injury. Okay. But if we're talking rest, Oh, come on, you know, you're 19 years old. 
this is four games in in, a, in five, six, seven days. Really, if if that's what the issue is, be better. But if it's a legit injury, I know uh, Killian Hayes got concussed, ironically, by banging into Quentin Grimes on a loose ball. The two of them clashed heads. And despite both of them having a lot of hair on their heads, it still was a legitimate uh, injury collision. And Killian Hayes is probably going to be out with concussion for the rest of the summer league, which is in Detroit's case, one more game. So, but it's part of what it is. You know, I guess it's 2021. Summer league is different now. It's being treated differently. These, these guys are investments. So you don't want to lose your investments too soon because of injury. I have, I hope this is not the case long-term for Jalen Green, because he's only 19, of course. Mm-hmm. But I hope hamstrings don't become an issue. What do you think about the possibilities of that, James? I mean, it fits in with the Houston narrative, right? <laughs> Houston and hamstrings and basketball sort of go in hand. But I'm hoping, like you said, um, you know, Jalen's shown that he's a special young talent. He's a guy who's capable of, you know, leading the league in scoring once he uh, matures and, you know, sort fully develops. And so I'm hoping, you know, this is just a one-time issue. But like we've seen, I mean – with Houston basketball history, hamstrings tend to come up a lot. So I'm just hoping that's not the case uh, with Jalen. What have you seen uh, so far from watching the Rockets? You and Andy, you and James, what have you all seen? What, what have you liked? Anything you didn't like? What have you seen so far? I could take that one first. When it, regarding Jalen Green, I think uh, the entire NBA Rockets fan base has been obsessed with that Jalen Green, uh, Sen Shengun, a connection that they've seen in the summer league. As far as Jaden Green goes, I think he put up a strong film for the two and a half games that he played for the summer league, particularly um, when you saw that game against Detroit where the Rockets kind of faced some adversity at the beginning of that game. Um, And Jalen Green got off to a kind of slow start, but then as the game progressed, he not only showed his poise, but, I mean, that that was a big-time game. It was in the primetime spot slot on ESPN against the number one overall pick. Um, I think you got to see a little bit more about kind of uh, Jalen Green's mentality when it comes to what kind of player he is, how he attacks on the court, like what kind of mentality he brings to the court. And he has that alpha dog mentality where, I mean, he legitimately thinks that he should have gone number one and he's, he was out there to prove it against Kit Cunningham. And when, when you go towards Shen Gun, who's been the other player that's impressed in the summer league, particularly the first two games, just in terms of the versatility that he's shown. And Chris, we kind of touched on it when he first got drafted by the Rockets. What stuck out to me was just how poised he was and, and the touch that he had for a big man, especially for how young he is. I think he showed that. Certainly, it's a lot of raw potential, but I mean, I think he's the most interesting prospect. I thought Jalen Green, of course, is the most um important just in terms of how high he went but Shengun might be an interesting prospect that they got and in, in, in a trade that was honestly for two picks that they were kind of giveaways james what do you think yeah i mean i agree with andy and just going off his things about you know the young guys showing potential you see like in the in the nba draft right most teams only have one first round pick and a lot of them are hit or miss it's hard to hit on a pick the rockets had four and all four of the guys they selected have shown some flashes of brilliance. There's all, there also have made some, you know, young rookie mistakes, but they've shown that they, you know, have a, have a chance to really fit into this young system that Steven Silas is building. And so I think that's what stood out to me the most that, 
you know, it's hard enough to hit on one pick, but all four of these guys that, um, that they selected in the first round have all feel like they can't, they can't, they have a spot that they could fill and um, be productive. Obviously playing in the summer league is different than going up against, you know, NBA veterans who have been there, but we've seen a lot of positives from, um, you know, just the, the young guys um, of the Rockets overall. You know, and, and to me, that's what summer league is about is the positives, you know, scoring numbers. I don't really care about all that. I, li- I think many of us have been surprised at how well Alfie Shingoon's defense, he's defensively, he's much better than we were led to believe. Um, he's smart. He's able to get into the right spots at the right time. The block shots are, I think, an added bonus. He does seem, he knows how to play. You can tell he's, the pro experience he got overseas has helped him be comfortable so far in summer league. Josh Christopher, we can see what the Rockets management is saw in him about potential being a Drew Holiday type defensive player. So his potential is there. He, he's not a he's not a point guard. He was kind of thrown into the fire when Jalen Green had the mid second half with the hamstring concern, and with no Armani Brooks and no Kyrie Thomas. So Josh, that's not his main spot. He's, he's his handles aren't great, so we got to work on that. The decision making. He talked about that. He has to work on the decision making, getting into the paint, knowing when to pass, where to pass, the timing, those things. But that's what summer league is for. So I, you know, I look at it a little bit differently than than fans. I I want to see how you play on defense. I want to see if you make the right decisions, right reads, and hold on to the ball and don't give it away. You know, don't have to mean turnovers. As long as you do that, Rockets had one game. I think with the first game, first or second game, they only had eight turnovers. So at playing as fast as they do, don't have eight turnovers. That's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Contrast that to Detroit, 19 and 20 turnovers in their first two games. That's awful. <laughs> you know, so you see the comparison there. Hold on to the ball. If the more time you hold on to the ball, you give a chance yourself a chance to score. You can't you can't score if you give the ball away. Any concerns? Are you going to watch this last game? Well, I just have one more game Tuesday. It was off summer league. Anything you're looking for in, in tonight's game with Orlando? Uh, I'm like I mentioned when we first discussed before the Rockets season started their summer league. I'm interested to see what Armani Brooks shows. It looks like he's finally going to be able to play after being out for um, a week or so with, with COVID uh, protocols. I'm not even sure that they ever announced that it was that he had tested positive or had been a close contact or, or something like that. Yeah, Jonathan Fagan reported that the Rockets never confirmed or denied or got into specifics about what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disarmani has was out because of health and safety protocols. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that's that's the thing I'll be watching just in terms of I mentioned how how does he look? How does his body look? Is he more physical? Is he more active on defense with being able to create turnovers? I mean, it's something I don't know. I, I saw a video the other day of Quentin Grimes being disruptive against Kate Cunningham, kind of being that type of pesk uh for lack of a better word and obviously his three-point shooting is good but that that's another player that you know, he's not necessarily a, a prospect but a, an intriguing player that the rockets could have and even if he doesn't end up playing for the rockets a three and d type of skill set is the the defensive part of it is that he has to develop so he can end up getting those high-end contracts that you've seen from some of these players i mean some, look at the danny green contract he got a couple of years ago if he can perfect that just you know average defender or slightly above average defender and armani brooks could end up making a lot of money in the nba james yeah i mean going off andy my main thing was obviously as a uh guy and covering the team um look, seeing how armani plays but like uh you mentioned chris earlier i'm looking for more of those you know 
things that don't show up in the box score. When I talked to Armani this summer, he talked about, you know, Andy brought this up being more physical. He wanted to put on more muscle because he said he didn't realize how physical it was in the NBA. So I'm looking for how his body's developed over the off season. And then also on the defensive end, cause he's got to be able to, you know, be a solid defender. He doesn't have to be elite or anything, but good enough to where he can stay. Cause we know he can shoot. Every, everyone knows that, but he's got to be able to do a little more. And so I'm looking just to see how he's developed over that. And um, yeah. And hopefully, you know, he told Jonathan Fagan of the Chronicle that the week off being out because of protocol, because of the COVID, he practiced Saturday. You could tell he was, he was out a week. That conditioning took a hit, you know, was out of, out of breath. You know, we'll see how many minutes he plays tonight versus Orlando. It may be seven to 15. He may be on a minutes restriction. But, I'm, you know, I'm curious to see how well he does physically. Um, you know, he's not Quentin Grimes build, you know, Quentin Grimes is solidly built. Quentin Grimes is already has more of an empty body than Armani Brooks does, but Armani needs to do more than just shoot. You know, he needs to add to his game. Um, if he's called upon to run the offense more, be a better facilitator, be a better rebounder. Armani can rebound at U of H. We saw it. So we know he can do it. He needs to do that more in the NBA. He needs to give. Coach Silas and the staff reasons to keep him on the floor if his shot's not falling. Mm-hmm. And if if he does do that, Rockets have enough players now. You know, Jalen Green, Scoot, Josh Christopher, Jason Tate, especially youngsters. Armani, you know, if you don't do your part, you don't, you're not going to play a lot. I'm not even talking about the old heads like Eric Gordon and John Wall, which what do y'all think the Rockets should do with the two O-heads in Eric Gordon and John Wall? So they just tell them, thanks, we're going to try to work out a deal for you, both of you, to send y'all to a contender because we're going to go with the youth movement and just give the guys as many minutes as possible or keep the vets around till February to be leaders in the locker room, show the youngsters how the ropes of the NBA and then February, make a deal for both of them. What do y'all think? Yeah, Chris, you actually um, took verbatim everything that I thought. Um, and the reason I think that it, it's probably better for the Rockets to hang on to John Warner, Gordon, and I leave to, to February for the trade deadline. It's just, you know, when you look at teams traditionally that kind of go full tank mode, I'm looking at Philadelphia 76ers when they just went completely uh, trust the process mode. You know, it's nice to have all, a lot of young players and have see that core grow. But when you're an NBA team filled with nothing but rookies you, or young guys in general, you're going to tend to struggle just to, you know, compete, especially in the Western Conference. One thing you don't want to be is to kind of create that culture of losing. And obviously, even with John Wall or Eric Gordon, they're not necessarily going to end up being a, uh, you know, top five team in the Western Conference. But, I mean, just to have that guidance and that better leadership. And we mentioned uh, something that's, that's something that Daniel uh, Thice might end up bringing to the Rockets as well. But I feel just having the players that have been in the playoffs and have been, you know, through a lot of NBA seasons and to have that experience about training camp and the early parts of the season, particularly for these young guys where there's going to be stretches where they go on long losing streaks, but to have that veteran voice in their year and not just be a lot of young guys, I think that's beneficial to them in the long run. In the long run, and then with someone like Eric Gordon or John Wall, you can – well, I don't know so much about John Wall, but with Eric Gordon, you could always ship him out in the trade deadline. 
And I mean, it's not like you're going to lose anything if you trade them now from in February. What do you think, James? Yeah, I agree with Andy. Just I, I look at this similar to the Chris Paul and OKC type scenario. You saw what that did for Shea Gilgis Alexander, and he credits Chris Paul for helping him develop his game. I don't think they necessarily have to hold on to John Waller and Eric Gordon the whole season like the Thunder did with Chris Paul. But I do think there's no risk because right now, you know, both Wall and Gordon's trade value is kind of iffy just because of the injuries. So if they have a solid first half of the season, you could get some real value out of them by shipping them to a contender. And then you're not leaving your rookies in the dark to start the season. So they have, you know, some guidance. And then once they, once they, you know, can take that and put it into their own game, then they can start becoming the leaders on the team. So yeah, that's my approach. Do both of y'all know who Bobby Marks is? From ESPN, they're a cap expert, correct? Yes. Yes, yes correct. Yeah. In one of his Instagram updates, he mentioned this this particular thing. I want y'all to know, get your thoughts on it. Bobby said, in his opinion, the Eastern Conference now is better than the Western Conference. Thoughts? Hmm. He didn't go into specifics about it because, you know, he went through talking about salary, um, signing, free agency, things like that. But let's, let's take the top four teams in the east compared to top team four teams in the west east we got milwaukee brooklyn philly and then who for your fourth team miami miami or miami made a lot of i would probably take miami just with the moves they've made they've they've taken a lot more heavy veteran and defensive minded approach right i think it's going to end up helping them in the long run okay um, so those those four against Who's number one in the West? Phoenix? Because of getting to the finals? Or the Lakers because of LeBron and AD? Or Utah? If we're talking, if we're talking fully healthy, I'm, I'm taking the, the Lakers to be the number yeah. one team. Okay. Okay, yeah. so let's go Lakers, Phoenix. Phoenix is in there with Paul returning. Like, yeah. Okay. Then Clippers, no, because no Kawhi. Yeah, Kawhi's out. Utah? Utah should be fine. I mean, I don't think they'll make a deep run, but I think they're a top four team in the West. Okay, then who's the other? Who's the fourth team? I think you've got to put Denver in there in the top Denver, four. Yeah, Denver with, uh, with Jamal Murray healthy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, but he we don't know how healthy he's going to be. <laughs> That's true. Okay, so I mean, I think that might be why. Well, one reason I'm not going to speak for Bobby about it, but that might be one reason why um, he said that because you have a bit more uncertainty in the Western teams. What about, well, same thing with Golden State. You don't know if Clay Thompson's going to be healthy. Um, where would you put them? Um, we know it's not going to be. Where would you put Memphis? Where would you put Portland? You know it's not going to be the Rockets and OKC. You know it's not going to be them. It won't be Sacramento. Or it probably won't be New Orleans mm-hmm. or Minnesota. Okay, so... Would you agree with it? Then the top four in the East are better than top four in the West? You know, from, from that standpoint, I feel like the Eastern Conference has a lot more top-heavy teams. Uh, I think what the West has over the Eastern Conference still to right now is just a, how more spread out it is in terms of maybe the West doesn't necessarily have a top juggernaut. It could be the Lakers, depending on their health situation, but they're still a, a wait-and-see type of team. But, you know, get outside of the top four you have teams like dallas portland you mentioned 
Uh, you know, San Antonio in the mix, they're not necessarily the best in terms of talent, but they always seem to be in that playing mix. Golden State's going to be another question, question mark just in terms of if, is Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson finally able to step on the court and play. And even then, they've been able to make some moves as well. Just when you look at from 4 to 11 to 12 in the West, they're all intriguing teams where you're not necessarily sure on whether they end up going. It'll probably be another battle for that playing. And when you look at these, once you get past the top four, you know, you probably have Atlanta that they had that, um, I wouldn't call it a Cinderella season, but certainly no one expected them to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And, and you have New York who... Oh, okay, see, yeah, see, the yeah. more you think about it, you know, the East is, you got Atlanta, you got, the Knicks, Indiana, Chicago, Chicago got better, yeah. Indiana. So we named eight teams right there that on paper in the East look improved or as good as they were this past season. Now, the West, I can, I'm agreeing with you to a bit, a point, Andy, but we going eight for eight. I'm not sure, because clearly the previous, my gosh, what, 15, 20 years, it seems like. That was no question. Yeah, the West was sure. the better conference, no doubt. But I yeah. think that the tide has turned a bit, and there are more, especially East, one through eight is better than it has been in, in a while. And goodness knows they still got some sorry teams like Orlando and Detroit teams on the come up. Um, Toronto, where, what are they going to do? You know, so East, West, it might be more balanced than people really have thought about. All right, fellas, somebody who's a little bit younger than y'all made some local news Friday by deciding to first not come back to high school for a senior year, but then go skip college as well, his freshman year of college, talking about Bryce Griggs from Fort Bend Hyatt Tower High School, signing a two-year deal with Overtime Elite. Two years, $1.2 million. So Bryce, and also I'm, I'm going to toot our horn, Bryce as a sophomore and a junior, was a top 10 finalist for the Guy V. Lewis Award, which goes to the top boys high school player in the greater Houston area. And, he, and this past season, his junior year, he was edged by, my goodness, one or two points by Ramon Walker to, to, uh, for the winning, winning of the award, award this year. But he averaged 23 points a game, four assists, four rebounds, and about two steals a game while at high tower. OTE sent out a press release and just listen. Here's some comments from first the executive VP of OTLE and then head coach Kevin Ollie. Remember him? Kevin Ollie. First up, quote, Bryce Riggs is a player that has been recognized as one of the nation's most promising playmaking guards. And we are thrilled to welcome him to the OTE family. That's Brandon Williams, executive vice president and head of basketball operations. He continues, Bryce has had one of the best coaches and mentors in John Lucas and has been attracted to the combination, now this is just fluff, has been attracted to the combination of an NBA caliber coaching staff, sports science, performance and attrition focuses that will play a crucial role in his development into an NBA player. Kevin Ali says, quote, as a former point guard, 
I can't be more excited to start working with Bryce and pass on what I've learned as a player and coach. Bryce has elite talent, which you can see when he has the ball in his hands. But we're also talk, going to turn him into an elite leader on and off the floor. That's the promise I'm making to him, end quote. Thoughts on Bryce Griggs going to overtime elite. He's the 15th player so far, and their goal is to sign 15 more to have a total of 30 in the program and from the ages of 16 to 18. Good or bad? You good with it? James, you first. I mean, one thing I think is it's just going to be more common just because even with the NIL, um, you can make money, but it depends on the school you go to and that. But with this, they're making money when they would be in high school, right? And signing big, big deals. And who knows how much he would make. But most of these guys that are going are would if they did go to college, they'd only play a freshman year. So I think, you know, ba balancing the financials to this, you know, foregoing your senior year um, and signing um, for two years, I think it's going to become a more common route. I don't know if it's necessarily the best route because um, it's just it's it's relatively new so there's not a lot of you know we don't have a lot to look at right now but um i do think we'll see this a lot more and um i mean bryce is a great example we'll just see how he turns out and just if that development that he can get with overtime elite is this like similar or this better or how it compares you know to being in a college program for a year or two andy what do you think yeah um you know, we were talking about this in the part-time jam and in the part-time jam group chat that we have, uh, just in terms of how. Honestly, you look at the contract that he got; he's getting one point two million dollars. Like even with the NIL, unless if you're talking football, I mean, the NCAA or any sponsors probably can't compete with that type of money, especially for as many prospects that they're trying to sign. That's from an interesting standpoint to see what the NCAA can do to not kind of lose out on a lot of those top prospects. Obviously, one of the things that they have going in favor is, you know, with the March Madness tournament, that type of allure that's not going to be matched by any other, regardless of it's the G League or multi League or any other league out there. Um, it will match that type of extravaganza event that it is. But, you know, when you look at this past season, Jalen Green went number two overall. He didn't play in college. He played for the G League team. If you see a lot of more of these prospects coming out of whatever league it is, not going to college and being a top five, top ten pick in the NBA, I think that's going to transition. You're going to start seeing a lot more players, especially top high-end prospects, the five-star recruits coming out of college that will garner that. I mean, $1.2 million, I don't care who you are, you're not going to turn that down, um, especially if you're 18, 17, however young these kids are. I mean... I think we're starting to see the early stages of a shift, especially because I'm not entirely sure what the NCAA can do to compete against those type of contracts other than the allure of, you know, like I mentioned, their their events. And let me mention this about, oh, it's part of the, their press release and their about statement. Every OTE player will earn a six-figure salary with a guaranteed minimum of $100,000 per year plus bonuses and shares of equity in overtime. Overtime, wow. do you guys use overtime? It's, it's big on Twitch and other social media platforms. And I want to say they profess to have 
up to 50 million users, subscribers, whatever. In addition to the players will also participate in revenue from use of their name, image, and likeness, including through sales of custom jerseys, trading cards, video games, and NFTs. Youngsters, wow. do y'all yeah. are y'all hip on the NFTs? I'm no, an old head. And I, I, I need to. <laughs> I need to learn about it because I, I don't know too much about it. But I mean, just look at everything you just described. And look at what the NCA offers. There's no competition, Chris. Like, what can the NCA do to compete against that? Okay. Well, clearly it's not for everybody. Mm. But what if there are, you know, local businesses who sign players to contract to NIL deals to go to college to promote their business to it, you know, I mean, I doubt it's going to be six figures annually, but maybe it is. You know, some programs are going to do that. Somebody's going to go into their pocket and, and pay a big time prospect to come to their school for above above the table to do something along those lines. But, you know, over time, OTE is only going to sign 30 players. That's their goal, 30 players. Well. NCA is way more than 30 players. So mm -hmm. the and honestly, the backing that OT has, they've got huge support financially. I still wonder where the money is going to come from. I want I want to see it. I want to see. I mean, so I'm not going to go into bank account, that kind of stuff. I want to make sure these kids get paid. I want to make sure that the promises OTE has made these youngsters they hope they stick to their word mm -hmm. because y'all yeah, don't want Bryce Griggs to come come January and say they, they didn't make they didn't keep the promise to me and now I'm stuck you know something like that um where are they gonna play the games are they gonna be shown on Twitch are they gonna be shown what platform are they gonna use what arenas are they, are they gonna use are they going to have financial advisors for these young men and if they have two teams of 15, what about playing time? Yeah. If I'm an elite player, and because Bryce uh, OTE signed a point guard from South Carolina Wednesday, two days prior to Bryce Griggs, ultra, ultra, you know, great talent. Are they going to play side by side? Are they going to, you know, split minutes? These youngsters are competitive. Coach, how come you playing him more than me? How's that going to work? So this experiment, and that's what it is. I'm kind of curious to see how it all works out, plays out, because I want to know where the game's going to be. I like to see some of them if they don't conflict with college, you know, U of H games, NBA games, Rockets, whatever. You know, how's it going to work? I haven't said NBA. Are they going? Are they going to be on ESPN? Are they going to be on ESPN? U? What? Thoughts on that, James? I Money mean, sounds you, great, but what? What if? Yeah, you hit on a big point when, like, listening to – I didn't know exactly everything they were offering, but when you hit on, you know, went over that playing time, which you mentioned, was the biggest thing that came into my mind because all these guys are going to be highly, you know, sought-after, talented guys. But there could be a guy, you know, that doesn't get much playing time. He rides the bench where he could be playing 30 minutes a game for some college or, 
so like that's that's my biggest thing how are they gonna split up these minutes because you've got all these guys but obviously you can't they're playing to win you can't give everyone equal amount of playing time things like that so i think that's gonna that's the most interesting thing to me um when looking at this and then also like i mean they have to have some sort of plan like you were talking about with financials because there's a lot of stuff to work out when you're promising these athletes so much money and and even if they go to three teams of 10 okay you got only play five at a time what about those five on the bench yeah what if they're friends parents get in there hey man you could have gone back to high school gone to montverde academy or something and started why are you doing this you know that kind of talk so i'm kind of kevin ollie is head coach but he can't coach all three teams if there are three teams or he can't coach two teams how's it going to work who's going to play are they going to play other high school schools public schools private schools academies there's a lot of stuff that i hope bryce and his parents and his advisors guardians asked these questions and got good answers to the questions and hopefully this doesn't bite him and other players into behind and ruin their futures now joseph tipton of tipton edits did get a quote from bryce saying that he still plans to go to u of h to get his degree didn't say when that would happen but the quote from from bryce is i always want to show houston love it's my hometown the coach told me, I love that, the coach, not Kelvin Sampson, Coach Sampson, the coach told me that even if I don't go there, that they're always going to still be there for me, end quote. Okay. It's, do we believe that? Is that, a, is that a good thing? That he's still considering, contemplating going to get his degree at some point? Or what? Because part of OTE is an education component as well. So... He's not going to get his college degree in the next two years. <laughs> so, what do y'all think? I mean, education, like I'm big on that. I think it's important because, you know, these guys aren't going to be playing basketball forever. Um, so getting a college degree is great. And I mean, I know it sounds great, like what you said, but the real question, like you mentioned, is, you know, is this actually going to happen or is he going to, you know, get consumed with this? And, you know, maybe he has a really good first year and then, you know, is solely on basketball decide to you know forgo any sort of college experience or education or anything like that um but i do think like that is something that's interesting not just for bryce but for a bunch of these guys with how they manage education when they're playing for some of these teams and signing big contracts and uh, yeah it'll you know the more i think about it it'll certainly make an education um any aspect of that while he's still I guess it's professional, full-time professional with LTE. I mean, usually for student athletes who play, like for any sport in the university, they, they work around whatever class schedule they have, whatever sport they have, so regardless of practice and, and stuff like that. You know, since he's playing with the OTE league, he, probably, he won't have that luxury of being able to to have the school support in terms of being able to rear rework your schedule around that that might be something to make things much harder for him and just like you the more i think about it i think that's what's going to be the success that these players have that's going to end up playing a big factor in it because if besides all this you see more and more players from the non-college route seeing success and whether it's high 
draft pick in the NBA, then you'll kind of see the trend stay and you see more players go that route. But if you see players like you mentioned, it all falls apart or it doesn't work out, whether it's with this league or any other league, then you'll kind of see the trend kind of wither out. And I think it's interesting that I guess the best thing the NCAA can do now is just wait and see and hope that it doesn't end up being as as green as it's being sold, as perfect as it's being sold, but there's certainly a lot of obstacles that could come in the way. And it, it's interesting to say that you still end up going to U of H for education. I think I told you this, Chris, it, I don't know. It feels it feel like it might be kind of awkward if you end up running into one of the current players or the coaching staff, but I mean. Well, we'd have to find out more details about it. He, he could just take online courses, something like that. Um, you know, it's a great story. I mean, although he did a little bit differently, Anthony Goldwire went back to U of H, former player at U of H, pro NBA and, and you know, pro player, went back to U of H and got his degree. And I was on the staff, a coaching staff at U of H. But Goldie went, he was on campus. He went back to school. So, he, you know, he didn't just go the online courses route to do that. Andy, <clears throat> and we're going to talk some Rockets in just a second, but you brought up, um, the NCAA, the athletics reported a few days ago about an alliance being formed between the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 to basically, my interpretation of it, have a voting block to go against the SEC. No Big 12 is not part of this alliance, which I think should tell those eight schools something right there but a voting block of the big 10 acc and the pac-12 to go against forming to go against the sec thoughts on that what is it what does that mean about big time college i mean it's football really college football is, is driving this bus what are your thoughts on that it makes it seem like the sec it's its own it could be its own corporation they could branch off and start their own league uh, separate. I think it's interesting from two aspects when you mentioned, um, yeah, it's kind of like every every other college is not in SEC trying to figure out or every other Power Five conference besides the Big 12 trying to figure out a way to stay relevant and and not falling apart or seeing a super conference. You know, that's been rumored that, that could potentially happen. And then the, obviously the second thing is that they're not including the Big 12 in this, which makes it seem like they once UT and, and OU leave, I'm not so sure if they'll be able to keep their A5 status, or if they do, they certainly will not be seen in the same limelight as any of the other conferences. Uh, but I think those those are two takeaways. The SEC seems to be in a league of its own, and the Big 12 seems to be losing that P5 status. James, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's the only way with you know UT and OU and the SEC news. It's the only way you can compete, really. Because, you know, the Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12, they all have solid schools, um, especially in football. But none of them are going to come close to what the SEC, you know, brings from top to bottom um, unless they do emerge. And the only thing that, like, sort of struck me when I heard this news was just that it was three conferences. I expected it to be, like, the ACC and the Big Ten. I didn't expect, like, three of them to get it involved. Um, it doesn't surprise me that the Big 12 wasn't involved just because, like we talked about, UT and OU are the big money makers there once they're gone. There's some appeal, but the a lot of the appeal is lost. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see how it all plays out, but it's the route they're going to have to go um, in terms of keeping up with the SEC. And one note, um, also also happened Friday, Friday. Friday was a busy day. Friday 13th was a busy, busy day. The Rockets signed uh, forward Matthew Hurt to a two-way contract. Hurt played at Duke. Great shooter. He's a three-point shooter. That's what he does. He's a three-point shooter. But a two-way contract per NBA rules, a player under a two-way deal will be allowed to be on the NBA team's active list for no more than 50 games during the regular season with no limit on practices. That's a little bit different than previous uh, two years ago. No limit on practices, workouts, or other activities with the NBA team. So he can be on the active roster no more than 50 games, and then other time he'll be on the G League team with, with the Vipers. So Matthew Hurd, three-point shooter. I think it makes sense. When the Rockets signed him, um, announced it signed him after the draft, he went undrafted. I thought that was inevitable. Get him a two-way contract. Makes sense for him. I think he's a long-term project for the Rockets. Rockets uh, development program is, is one of the tops in the NBA. Gentlemen, we're going to shift gears and go college football. So I'm going to lean on the two of y'all to – uh, carry the freight on this college football discussion for the next few minutes. But I want to open with, we're going to have three clips. The first clip is going to be from Mike Bloomgren, the Rice Owls head football coach. The Owls had their first scrimmage Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Just some opening comments from him about how it went, get his, get his thoughts on that. And then the next two clips will be from UH coach, football coach, Dana Hogerson. First about Clayton Toon and how Clayton's looked so far in practice. And the next one, Coach Horkson said the team has not taken a step back thus far in practice. So I really want to get your, comment, your comments on that because I was like, hmm. Okay, but first up, Rice Isles head football coach, Mike Bloomgren. Scrimmage out here, great weather for it in Houston today. Uh, got 112 plays to work in. And really excited about the tempo at which we played. Uh, it was a, a day that was certainly the defense had the upper hand. Uh, the 12th ranked scoring defense returning 10 players on defense. They probably should, uh, but it showed today. It was good to see the offense dig their way out uh, a couple times, but also good to see the defense bow their neck and keep them out of the end zone, holding the field goals even after a few explosive plays. So all in all, uh, pretty happy with the effort. Can't wait to watch the film and evaluate it. As we always know with these scrimmages, depth charts will move. Uh, players will go up and down, and it will provide more opportunities uh, as we go to the next phase of our training camp. Just coaching them, just by coaching them. You know, yeah. I, I said this, uh, you know, if he doesn't improve, that's on me because, you know, our job is to push him and uh, coach him and to teach him and to, you know, show him what's expected. I, I could not be happier with where Clayton's at at this point. He's He's been dead on for you know eight eight straight practices. This will be practice number nine. He's been he's been great. He's been consistent. He's been a leader. He's been accurate. Uh, the timing with a lot of the guys has has really improved. You know we've never completed more deep balls than we have up until this point. Um, so I, I'm happy with where he's at, and I'm happy with with, with where uh, the timing of the offense is. We got a ton we got to work on. Uh, he's got a ton he's got to work on. But up until this point, what we've tried to get accomplished, we're we're on track seen us uh, take a step back um, you know emotions have been high a few periods which has been good um, you know, we've had to calm them down a little bit which which has been good uh, but 
you know, they've done everything we've asked them to do. We've had, you know, guys have been here on time in the morning. Uh, they're, they're maintaining hydration. They're eating the appropriate way. They're sleeping the appropriate way. They, they come in each and every day ready to go. You know, and I think that's why our health has been good, why our attitudes have been good, which is, uh, you know, which leads to good team morale and good team bonding and all that stuff's been spot on. So um, I thought we were a little bit sluggish this morning, which is okay as long as we work through it once we get out there. Uh, then we'll get a little we'll get a little bit of a, a, a bigger break heading into tomorrow night to where we're gonna you know uh, for the first time put the ball down and see if we can drive it or see if we can stop it. Guys, what are your thoughts on, on that? On the reason I played the Coach Bloomgren clip is because the Cougs and I was square off September eleventh at Rice Stadium. Rice has is has the twelfth ranked scoring defense. In the country last year, I didn't know that. But tie that in with Coach Hogerson saying that Clayton Toon has really done a great job with the receivers on deep balls. So I think U of H going deep could be an advantage going against Rice's defense. So just what are your thoughts on what you heard? I mean, I can start just you know from what I've seen at practices and just talking to coaches and athletes. I do think like you can really sense the new sort of energy they're talking about and sort of how Dana Holgerson talked about how they haven't really taken a step back. I know several players mentioned, you know, in previous, including Clayton Toon in previous years, they'd find, you know, a lull, they'd hit a dead spot around day four or five of training camp, but they rarely haven't um, seen that this year. Sorry, my dog's barking in the background. No problem, man. That's all right. um, But so, and, and you can sense that excitement just with talking to players and just the way they've approached practice so far. Obviously I'm not in that locker room and, don't have, you know, access to everything, but I do think um, they will. I do buy what they're selling right now. I don't think, you know, you're going to see, you know, a top 10 team or anything, but I do think there's, you know, a rejuvenation in this program because they've talked about how they're tired of losing and just not being really relevant in the eyes of many people in Houston. Andy. Yeah. Like James said, it, it hasn't just been Dana Horson. Really. It, it's kind of a unified message that has come across that football program for the first week and a half, two weeks that they've been back in training camp and speaking with reporters. I know Clayton Toon mentioned it. Derek Parrish, who is the defense, one of the defensive linemen that they're really high on, has mentioned the same thing where they haven't had any of that. Would I, I call it a fatigue wall or emotional wall? You know, once once you get into the, you know, this point of the the, the training camp where it kind of gets lackadaisical and kind of. You know, you kind of you're human. You get when the yeah, it's still it's, far it's away. Part of the, it's part of the blogs, yeah. Practice routine it gets monotonous mm-hmm. after a while, yeah. That exactly. That's a perfect word. It's still about just under three weeks for that first game against Texas Tech. Um, but yeah, I feel like that unified message is is interesting coming from not only Dana Horgerson or players on offense, but also on defense, even the defensive coordinator, Doug Belk, had a similar message from what he's seen. And, and another thing that they've preached is competition at, at every position. Um, well, minus except quarterback, Clayton Toons kind of has that in the bag for, for this season. Um, but every other position, they've been talking about how that's one of been one of the main focuses they've they've tried to get not to guarantee any spot. Um, obviously, they have their seniors and their high-end veterans that are coming in. But outside of that, every everything's wide open. And when you look at the schedule that we've gone over a few times before, um, it, it should be a season where they finally break through and 
you know, at least hit the eight-win mark, possibly go higher. But, you know, when we're talking about Clayton Toon specifically that, that Dana Hoverson mentioned, he's, he seemed like the offense has been much more um, zoned in and, and locked in in terms of, like you mentioned, the deep ball quote. From what I got to see today in practice that they had um, early on Sunday morning, uh, I take it with a grain of salt because it was a it was a short, brief moment that they allowed reporters to see, but they did uh, – they kind of simulated, simulated game, a game environment where they pitched in our, um, the fake audio crowd noise. They had, I believe they, they might've like, they had four, four downs to move the offense. And when Clayton Toon was in charge, like you could tell a certain difference. They were able to move the ball relatively easy. Um, there weren't any mistakes in terms of interceptions or anything like that. And it, kind of the flow, the command, that's the right word, the Clay and Toon had in those two drives that we were able to see. It's, you can certainly see a difference, and you can you can certainly tell from when the backups are on and Clay and Toon is on that the offense is much more smooth, much more crisp, and much more sure of what they need to do. James? So, yeah, sort of adding on to what Andy was talking about, Clayton, I think it's really important, um, and from what I've seen as well, I've seen you know an increase in accuracy and things like that. But yeah. um, it's really important for him this year because – of the receiving core, they've lost a lot of key guys. So he needs to be that guy that steps up and can put the ball, um, not make it, having to make his receivers, you know, make incredible plays. Cause there's some young guys, there's guys who haven't been in the system a lot, but I think a big thing for, or a big reason we're seeing some, you know, increased confidence and consistency, at least in the spring, what the team's seeing from Clayton is because of the offensive line. Dana Holgerson said mm -hmm. he thinks Clayton's had like 22 different combinations of offensive line when, <laughs> since he's been at UH and, any football fan knows that's not good. You need consistency up there. And especially last year with COVID and injuries, but this year they have a solid core. They brought in a center named Cody Russie. who's just made a huge impact um, on the team from what they've talked about, just the leadership and just uh, division one playing experience. So I think just having that solid group up front and then they have depth that they feel comfortable in um, at least the coaching staff has said that if a guy goes down, but I think that increased uh, just that, consistency along the offensive line will play a big role in helping tune, you know, be more comfortable and, you know, really be able to sit back there and take his time and make the throw he needs to make. And in y'all's opinion, is there a position on the team that depth is not as strong? I'll put it like that. Mm -hmm. I can speak. I mean, according to Dana Holgerson the other day, he talked about how there was still some concern at wide receiver, sort of like I mentioned. They lost Marquez Stevenson, who was, you know, their big dog um, the past few years. Um, they had another guy, fifth or sixth year senior, Cole McGowan. He went down um, and he's out for the year. But, um, and although, you know, he hasn't, his stats won't pop off the pages, he's a veteran leader who has reliable hands. And can, so I, Dana Holgerson's talked about how receiver depth can be a little concerning. Um, that's the one position I've seen so far. I don't know if Andy's seen anything different or heard anything different, but. No, I agree that I, that's really the only position that Dana Horson has mentioned in terms of, you know, an area of concern. And when you look at up and down the depth chart, I mean, you know, they lost a lot of their big playmakers and honestly, it, it, it kind of feels, um, it opens up a role hole much rather for them to have a number one, receiver when you think about it they don't necessarily have one that you know when you mentioned a go-to receiver that stands out right away and last year it was Marquez Stevenson um, he went over to the Buffalo Bills in the NFL draft I think one key player that 
you know, could probably fill in that role, even though he's still young. So it, it might be a bit of a stretch. But, James, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think about Tank Nathaniel Dell kind of filling that role as the top receiver for this group? Yeah, so I got to speak to him, I think, Wednesday. Um, mm -hmm. He definitely has that he, – he comes with that swagger, that sense of confidence. Um, and he's he's got speed and he's got good hands. The thing is just, you know – the littler things that he tried to work on over the offseason, getting off the his routes cleaner, being able to hand fight the de, the defensive back mm -hmm. effectively. Those are some things that I think will make or break for him. But I think he has the opportunity to emerge as a guy. He he showed um, some solid play last year when he did get in, but he is still young, like you said. But he does have the what you look for in a receiver. It's just will those little technique things um, that he talked about working on uh, hard over the offseason, will those – really show off and if those do show off i think he can establish himself as you know tunes go-to guy this year so what y'all seen and heard do y'all feel confident in the eight wins we predicted minimum so for the, for the team this year i do <laughs> <laughs> hmm? i mean Jim, i do just because of the schedule like like i said i think this team will be improved from last year um but I don't think they're going to be top 10, whatever. I don't even know if they'll break in the top 25, but because of the schedule, they should, they have okay. the talent to win eight games. Okay. I'll turn it around from what y'all seen and heard. Do y'all have you changed your tune and, and think they will beat Texas tech in the opener? I could see that just in terms of their, their, honestly, their defense last season, but, prior to getting hit with injuries and, and the COVID pause that they had in like November that affected like the entire linebackers core. I mean, their defense had a much improvement in 2020. And I feel like that's only going to carry over this season, especially with the new additions that they've made across different positions. But it's been now Texas tech coming off, uh, not necessarily, um, they're not necessarily world beaters like they were a couple of seasons ago. Um, so I could totally see them pulling up the upset, if you call it. Now, it's funny when you asked if I'm confident of them being able to get that eight win mark. The, the only reason I kind of pause at it and not be 100% on board is I, I've kind of heard this before last season. Okay, there's two differences because last season there was kind of a similar message with, with Dana Holgerson, how this year was different obviously much different circumstance circumstances just in terms of COVID and all that stuff. Um, I think the key difference between what was kind of preached last year and this year is just it, confidence might be the wrong word to do it, but it, it certainly seems like it's more, they're projecting much more of a, a strong unified message, not just in terms of Dana Hovers and saying, yeah, this is, this is our second year under this offense. We're going to be much better. We should be much smoother. Um, it's much more of the actual players kind of not only commenting it themselves, but showing specific, giving specific examples of why they believe that they're in a much better spot than they were last season. But like I said, I've heard it was kind of similar last year. Not quite, but I could, if I had to bet, I would say they, they get over or at least the eight win mark. All right, we're going to close it out in this last 30 minutes, roughly 30 minutes before Rockets Orlando Summer League game. Willie Gibson is joining us. He finished off his duties. So thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Do you have any insight on Evan Mobley, sir? Yeah, he um, 
the plan, and I'm still looking or searching to find out what, why, but the plan was always for him to only play three games in Vegas. I don't know if it was due to his limited time at USC. I'm not quite sure as to why, but um, the plan was always for him to play three games in Vegas and to shut it down. So no injury, no nothing. He's uh, on ice until training camp. Okay, well, that's we touched on that the first half hour of today's show about the top picks seemingly being shut down and not playing all four games of summer league, you know, with or without legitimate injury because Jalen Green legitimately has a hamstring issue. Um, Kate Cunningham, calf injury, you know, he didn't play Saturday against the Lakers. I think it was Lakers. And the weird thing, I'm, I'm not sure why the NBA scheduled back-to-back games in summer league. I'm yeah. not sure if that is a change because of the Wizards protocol issues and had the scramble schedule or what, but why have back-to-back games in summer league? But Evan Mobley shut it, shut it down. Jalen Green shutting it down. Kate Cunningham probably shutting it down. Jalen Suggs, with, is it a thumb or wrist? He's, he's done. So, what is, so yeah, what we were touching, touching on, I was like, load management in summer league? Is that where we are now yeah. in today's NBA? What do you think about that? It appears to be. Yeah, I, yeah. I, maybe they've seen enough in the three games that they played. And they're like, listen, we don't, you know, we don't want to take a chance. And that fourth game of, of an injury, maybe, you know, Jalen uh, sucks legitimate thumb injury, Jalen Green with the hamstring, maybe that was enough for others to say, hey, you know what? It's not worth it. Let's, let's get him ready for uh, the end of September and, and training camp. So, But it is interesting. As you said, you know, maybe the condensed schedule, compressed schedule uh, due to um, the schedule from COVID maybe had a bit to play into it. I don't know, but it does seem to be among the top five picks uh, a trend. And, and like I said, I'm not the old man get on my lawn thing, you know, get off my lawn. But if you're legitimately hurt, okay. But if you're not, rest. I mean, you you said the plan was for Evan to play just three games and shut it down. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? I don't know. That I'm still, we're still trying to figure that out. Like, what was what was the rationale behind that? Kobe Altman has had time in it. Uh, Dan Gilbert was in Vegas over the weekend, the uh, Cavs chairman. So uh, he's not going to say anything. He's going to defer everything to uh, Kobe Altman and uh, the basketball staff. But, yeah, for whatever reason, the the word is that going into the summer, summer league, the plan was for Evan Moby to play three games, and, and that's it. So be able to find out the true reason why. Yeah, one of the, the viewers – chimed in, uh, Kingdom Investment chimed in on YouTube in our comments, probably because of lack of conditioning due to COVID. Well, you know, I could argue, flip it around, you could get in, improve your conditioning by playing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, it's August. Uh, practice training camp begins September. Maybe first, maybe two weeks so. And then we got preseason games. So 
I'm just, it was not always like this, youngsters, Andy and James, I think. I mean, honestly, mm. fellas, I'm not even going to lie. I'm not going to even pretend like I cared about Summer League a whole lot last 15 years because I didn't. In Summer League, you know, I, I treated it for what it was, you know. A few times here in Houston when we had Summer League pro-ams, I went to some of those. Whatever. You know? <laughs> had a good time, watched it. Whatever kind of thing. But I do wonder what ESPN thinks about the load management for the stars, for the guys that they've marketed, hyping up these top players, and they're not playing. I wonder what ESPN thinks about that. <laughs> what do you think, Andy? Well, from an ESPN standpoint, they absolutely hate it because they're losing ratings. Uh, I mentioned last week when it was Kate Cunningham versus uh, Jalen Green. Now, they love that primetime spot. Both stars played. Both stars showed out. Both stars, stars had a chance where they were kind of going at each other. Um, go at it a week later, and, well, there's not much stars left. So you know, I'd be curious if ESPN um, – but then you look at it that standpoint, I mean, they could complain to the NBA, but I mean, what much more can you, the NBA do to force these players to play? Because when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, it's the management of teams and the individual coaches staff that makes those decisions. And ultimately they're not going to do anything that they feel might be put their, you know, top players or top prospects at risk for summer league. Like I mentioned, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing. You know, whoever wins the Summer League Championship isn't going to have a bonus or anything once the regular season starts. So there's not much that can change, but ESPN absolutely hates it. What do you think, James? Yeah, exactly what Andy said. I mean, these Summer game League games, I mean, they don't mean anything in terms of wins or losses. They're simply, you know, to get people playing time to see, get film on guys to see how they fit in and things like that. So obviously – people aren't like as invested in the summer league as a, just a typical fan, because, you know, it's not like win or lose, it's going to affect you. Um, but you get a lot more invested. If you can see, you know, your top draft pick, a Cade Cunningham, a Jalen green, a guy play. So obviously ESPN's not going to like it because their viewership will go way down without, you know, these marquee young rising stars um, on the court. Willie, what, what have you seen? from the Cavs so far in Summer League that you liked, didn't like, heck, don't care. What have you seen? Yeah. Um, oh. Did we lose Will? And he was just about to give us some pearls of wisdom to it. Um, uh, I guess we could use that to segue into Quentin. I don't know if you guys talk, talk about Quentin or Dejan whenever I was out. Yeah, we, we did what well, you were trying to, to, mm -hmm. to uh, hop on in. But, yeah, share your thoughts on, on uh, Quinn and Dejan. Well, let's see if Will can get him, come back in and talk about the, the Cavs. All right, try to get your Cavs did comment in, sir. Did that answer your question? Oh, was that the sign for – No. Is that right there? No. Um, no. Um, yeah. Um, some of these uh, again, I think I mentioned him last week, Lamar Stevens uh, from Penn State, uh, rookie free agent. They signed late in the season last year. Showed a lot of uh, some flashes that he potentially could do some things. So uh, for a guy like him to get continued reps is good. Um, Isaac Okoro uh, did some things. Uh, his uh, Actually, his first 
uh, summer league, second year player, but due to COVID last year, summer league uh, was canceled. So he was able to do some things. Um, the three games that Evan Mobley did play, you know, he showed flashes. He, you know, I thought he was going to be a, a banger, but he's shown to be more of a perimeter uh, guy at seven feet, and which kind of uh, messes well with, with Jared Allen uh, come regular season. So there are flashes. There's a, a guard. His name escapes me right now. He probably won't make training camp roster. Um, but there's he potentially has done himself well uh, for summer league in summer league to maybe get a look from another team, and that's really what it's about. Summer league, as, as you say, Chris. You know, sometimes we pay attention. Most times we don't because it's it's really you know outside of the top ten to fifteen players, and maybe that that one diamond in the rough, if you will. It's really not a lot, a lot of interest, a lot of things that are going to interest you, you know, going forward in the summer. So, yeah, but those are pretty much the things that I saw from Cleveland from a cast perspective uh, so far in summer league. Yeah, you got to be a diehard, diehard fan, diehard fan to keep up a summer league and follow your team and follow the youngsters and, and live or die with, with how the team's looking in summer league. That's not me. It's just not. When the, when the Rockets uh, game tonight against Orlando is done, I'll be part of the media availability session post-game with the coach, Coach Weaver, and probably Josh Christopher and then somebody else. But other than that, I'm just waiting for a practice, practice start you know, in September. So, and then you get close to the games, the real games that, that count. Um, you know, whatever. Summer league games is like NFL Exhibition game. Whatever. I'm whatever. So, but lost oh, again. Maybe we'll talk about again. You know. All right, Andy, give your, your give your take on uh, Quinn and Grimes <clears throat> and Dejan Jarrell for their respective teams, Knicks and Heat. Yeah, we were just talking about how for the top prospect stars, a uh, summer league isn't necessarily um, such a big deal. But for players on the honestly even mid draft lottery towards everyone else. This is, this is a very intriguing and honestly valuable experience for them to kind of get a taste of what the NBA game is like at not necessarily as high of a level once October comes and the season starts. When you talk about Dejan Jerome, Quinn Grimes, you've seen that, how, you know, from each game they've progressed. They've kind of done better from as the games go on. And, you know, I guess I'll, I'll talk about Quentin first. Um, obviously, he's coming off – his best game in the summer league yesterday where I believe he had like 28 points and, and hit a few threes. How many was it? Was it like six or, or, or so threes? Um, I think what you've seen with Quentin and Dejan to a bigger extent, but it's just that progression of getting his feet wet and kind of playing in a different system, especially for Quentin. It's a much different role that he saw from, what he did here at U of H, he had to, especially with the Knicks summer league team, you know, they have a couple of players that played big minutes for them. And Emmanuel quickly was, you know, one of the top, he was a key player for the Knicks rotation in the playoffs. And now having to kind of take a step back from the role that he played with U of H where he was the go-to scorer. I think that's a bit of an adjustment for Quentin. And it's something that it pays off to have been able to see, have that experience in the summer league. Uh, when when you look at Dejan Giroux, I think, I mean, he's been impressive. What's been impressive to me is how consistent he's been able to play throughout these summer league games. He had a double-double 
earlier in the week, and he followed up with almost having another triple-double with just filling out the stat sheet. And it's something that, that uh, Calvin Sampson said that he saw with Dejan Giroux. I mean, he said that the Miami Heat were high on Dejan, that they wanted to take a second-round pick on him, buy a second-round pick just to take Dejan. And just from the performance he's been able to string together, I'm not entirely sure to if the contract they signed Dejan was just a summer league deal, if they plan on signing him to a two-way contract in the near future. But I think he's only strengthened it strengthen his case for being able to be a part of the Miami Heat organization. And even to, uh, I know we haven't talked about him more, but Nate Hinton, who played for U of H two years ago, he got off to a slow start in his summer league. I think he had a game where he had like six turnovers that first game. He really struggled, and he certainly progressed as the games have gone on. I think today he had another good performance. He might have put up 19 points, and, you know, with Nate, he's always going to end up fitting the stashy with rebounds and stuff like that. So you've kind of seen the other spectrum of the NBA Summer League with these three players where they're getting playing time from, from the case of Nate Hinton, who kind of didn't really saw much at the NBA level, didn't see much at all. And then, you know, the G League was pretty limited. And then with Quentin and Dejan, you've seen that improvement. They've kind of been able to adjust to the NBA game at a much slower, much lesser level and not get thrown into the complete fire once the NBA season does roll on. I think many of the guys who were rookies last season will spend more time in the G League this season because hopefully, COVID willing, we'll have a, a G League season that will mm -hmm. last more than a month. So right. Nate will probably spend more time in G League to develop because mm -hmm. he, he barely played. He barely saw any time with, with the Mavs last season. He was on the bench, supported the team, you know, his role, but a chance to develop on the court, strengthen his skills. I think it'll be the same for all the guys this year, rookies this season, spend time in the G League. Dejan DeRoe, I think, will be a balance. I have not heard if he signed a two-way deal with the Heat or any contract status with him, if, you know, two-way or maybe start out with two-way and then change it to a, um, a regular contract later on. But he'll probably spend some time in the G League as well for, you know, for time to play. Because many of the youngsters won't play. Many of the rookies will not play a lot of minutes this season. And that's one thing I asked um, Will Weaver about is if the coaches Rockets have already had discussions about G League, who will be in the G League and how much time I spent down there this season. He said they had not discussed that yet. But at some point, Probably Usman Garuba, at minimum of the four, will be in the G League. Christopher, to, too. You know, to develop. Josh Christopher, because of the rotation, the guard minutes. You know, you know, especially if they keep John Wall and Eric Gordon until February. There won't be time for Josh Christopher to play. If you got Wall, Gordon, KPJ, Jalen Green, Armani Brooks. Um, David Nwaba, you know, Rockets got a lot of one, twos, and threes that are interchangeable. So they just, so I think you'll see some Josh Christian down in the G League. Nothing wrong with that because it, you get a chance to play. You get a chance to, to compete for a few games in a week. And that's much better than just sitting on the bench, you know, up here. And you're still going to get paid <laughs> regardless, but it, get a chance to compete, learn the system,
fine-tune some things, strengthen some weaknesses. So I think that's a, a possibility for, for all of them, except Jalen Green. You know, he, barring injury, he's going to be with the big boys the whole year. So, mm -hmm. But at some point, we got a few more minutes before we close it out here. Uh, Tamer Knight is going to try to join us. Um, she was going to attend the memorial service for Cameron Burrell. Uh, Andy James, I don't know if you had a chance to interview Cam um, during his time at U of H, but just your thoughts on his tragic passing. And his dad, Leroy Burrell, did mention uh, officially that Cam did take his own life. So, you know, tragedy, 26 years old, he took his life. But the memorial service, I think, is what from six to eight today, six eight p.m. Uh, you guys, right? They yeah. had, they had a visual v visitation, visual. Visitation. visitation, visitation. I'm sorry. And then tomorrow's okay. the uh, celebration, the actual of service, celebration of life. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, I guess I can start. I did not get a chance to talk to Cameron. I he was he graduated the year uh, a year before I came to UH, but I followed him a little bit, and you know he really was a trailblazer for that program and. Um, did a lot of incre incredible things, was an NCAA champion in several events. And uh, obviously when I heard the news, it's extremely tragic. Um, the one like positive I think I can take out of this is just the way the Burrell family has handled it. And especially in, with the discussion of mental health and things like Leroy Burrell and the statements he issued was like, you know, if you're having trouble with this, you need to seek help. You know, we don't want th something like this to happen to your loved one. So I think, um, even though it's, it's, it's obviously a tragic accident and my heart breaks for the family, I think um, it has shed light on some important things that we've seen all throughout um, different sports regarding mental health and just difficulties with that. Andy? Yeah, similar to James, um, I was unfortunately unable to cover him, even though we did have one year together at U of H, I guess where our time kind of elapsed. I didn't join the Cougar until late 2019, but... You know, like James said, it's just a such a sad tragedy just as the details came out and, you know, also him leaving behind a family. But like James said, the one positive that and I hate to say that just in terms of the, the circumstance, but, you know, kind of the way people have kind of brought attention to mental health and how you know, you honestly never know what could what anyone could be going through. Like they could seem fine one day, and you figure out that it wasn't. And it it's sad that it takes something like this to bring awareness to such a issue that's much more common. And you know, we've seen even in the NBA, we had a couple of players like Kevin Love, Demar Derozan talk about it. Um, it's sad, and even Dana Holgerson today said how he's seen the the University of Houston athletics program, you know, across the different teams already around Leroy Burrell. I think that's something, you know, when you, and it's so sad it has to come in under these circumstances, but you kind of see not just the university in general, but just a lot of people kind of react and, and support Cameron after the news came out. I mean, it, I've seen a lot of people come out to just how much he impacted their lives. That, that just goes to show how, great of a person he was just in terms of so many people reaching out and again unfortunately under the terrible circumstances it had to come through but it, it certainly looked like he left a lot of impact on a whole bunch of different people's lives and if i could add one thing to what andy said just in the terms of support um 
Cameron had a young daughter. I forget how old she is, but they started a GoFundMe for her college tuition and just seeing how much support people have been able, you know, to chip in, whether it's five bucks, a hundred bucks, whatever, seeing that support just, you know, for his daughter um, who, you know, it's so tough to go without a dad and lose your dad at this young age, but just see the support they've shown her as well is just incredible and um, speaks to the community that um, we've seen throughout the UH athletics and um, have had multiple athletes and coaches really talk about. Yeah, it's, it's a tragedy. When I saw that the tweets coming out, what was it? Tuesday? I don't, I don't even know. But when I first saw it mm-hmm. and, and folks were shocked, saddened in disbelief. And, and then when I was able to confirm it, <clears throat> you know, it tragedy. Um, and I put it on, on my Facebook page. And alums reached out to me and asking me for details or asking me. And I'm like, I don't know details or anything like that. I knew what I had heard. I wasn't going to publicize anything about what I was told. That was for the family to to mention when they were ready to mention that. But, you know, Cam impacts a lot of people. Um, And I want to say this to everybody tuning in to you guys on the show. Give folks their flowers and appreciation while they're here, you know, appreciate them, give them, tell them you love them while they're here. Um, that's, that's one, you never know, hearing that might just be what they need to get them through the day. You know, so don't, don't wait. So it is a tragedy and, and Tamer, I think if she get a chance to, to chime in these last few minutes before we close it out, she and Cam knew each other since they were like kids you know, middle school or younger. So it's been tough on her. I know it's tough on Dorian Branch. You know, Dorian's one of my one of my um, mentees. So I try to reach out to her to check on her, you know, be sure she's okay. So this is this is a tragedy. Um, and if you're you are going through things, if you're going through things, you, you feel like you're alone, you're not alone. Reach out to somebody. Um, call, ask for help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. Don't don't be embarrassed. Um, people still care about you, whoever you are. We're all de- dealing with stuff. We all think we're, we're not going to get through the day. Get help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. Seek that help. Um, Willie, chime in if you can, just on the, what we've shared and what you know, and just give your thoughts on it as well. Yeah, um, I echo the sentiments that um, each of you have shared. I, I did not cover Cameron. I uh, have been a, a follower of his father for quite some time um, during his time at the uh, Santa Monica Track Club uh, when he set the world record himself in the, in the uh, 100 meters. So I've always, uh, from afar, been an admirer of uh, Leroy Burrell. And it's just, it's sad. I mean, as you said, it's uh, a shock. You know, 26 years old, someone who seemingly um, from from what you see outwardly has everything going from the world class athlete, family, um, royal family of, of track and field, if you will. But you just never know. You never know what people are dealing with, what they are sharing with you. And it's just you, it's why you have to be very, very careful on how we treat everyone. You know, because you, as you said, you never know that encouraging word, 
how far that would go with someone and how that could be very the very thing they need to keep going. And it's just, you you, you, you you know, we say it all the time, oh, you just never know. But it's true. You never know. And so I'll take this time and encourage each one of you guys. Um, you know, we've known each other a short time, but I appreciate each and every one of you professionally as colleagues and, and personally the times that we've gotten to to grow and our relationship has, has, has grown. So um, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And, and I echo that. I, you know, I want to, well, we got to get you into Houston, man, so you could hang, meet, meet <laughs> us and we can just hang out, uh, go to a game, or, you know, whatever, you know, do that. We and I have plans in April to, to meet. Uh, hopefully we can meet before then. But, yeah, guys, I appreciate each and every one of you. I love each and every one of you. Thank you for taking time to be on the show. You know, share your information, your, your insight. I appreciate the people chiming in on the comment section. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, these final few minutes here, get back to the Rockets. Got some debate going back and forth here um, <laughs> about keeping, getting rid of um, Anthony Eric Lamb. Is, he's not coming back. Yeah, he's, not out of, he's not coming back this, this yeah. coming season. Eric Gordon, I think it's inevitable. He's, he'll be gone. May not be until February. House, I think same thing. He'll be gone. May not be until February. The old heads, the veterans, you know, the guys that were here before Rafael Stone was GM, I think it's a matter of time before they're gone. <laughs> okay, hmm. just a matter of time. But the goal for the people tuning in the comments who, who are watching on YouTube, what is y'all's expectation for the team this season? Because for me, I don't get James, Andy, and Will. For me, I just want the Rockets to be, get better than, be better than last year, which I think they will, as long as they're healthy. I don't have to make the playoffs this year. And I'm not even sure that'd be good for their long-term development if they made the playoffs this year because they're not, they're not going to beat the one seed in the West this year. They're, they're, they're not. Um, you know, and I'm not even talking – I'm not talking play-in. I'm not talking 10 seed, not – no, that's, that's me. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I think they're two years away. James, you first. What do you think about the Rockets' yeah, goal this year? My goal, what I hope to see is similar to yours, just, you know, show improvement from last year. You're in the second year under Steven Silas, so, you know, more comfortable under his system, and then get those young guys valuable minutes because even though, you know, you might not be fighting for a playoff push, every every minute that they get to play is valuable. And then eventually, like I, like, I agree with you, I don't think they're a playoff team they'll probably be another lottery team, not as high as uh, this year, but you, it also gives you an opportunity to add another piece in the upcoming draft and continue to build this youth. Cause um, the more and more they can build, I mean, they, I think they have a bright future if these guys pan out um, like they, like they shown they could. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I feel like they'll be better than they were last season. <laughs> Barring the, the amount of injuries that was honestly probably record setting. Um, that it they was. had this past season. <laughs> uh, I think Raphael Stone even mentioned it when they interviewed him uh, during the, the game against the Pistons, how, how many different players that went through the organization this past year. But, you know, when you when you look at the Rockets, and a lot of factors, if they keep John Wall and Eric Gordon for at least half the year, Christian Wood stays healthy, doesn't have to miss a month and a, or more um, than he did this past year. 
I don't think the play-in is out of the picture for this Rockets team. Obviously, they're, they're really young, so there'll probably be stretches where they go on long losing streaks. Uh, I, I doubt it'll be another 20-game losing streak this season, but, you know, I'm interested to see how quickly, especially, honestly, specifically, Jalen Green picks up um, the NBA game. He's shown that he can score a multitude of ways in the summer league. I'm interested to see how quickly he picks it up, being able to score like that against, you know, the the true NBA players, the big-time professionals, and just, you know, getting that experience, how quickly he picks up the little, I wouldn't say, I'm thinking of a phrase that I can't, truly it's not coming to my head, but, you know, how quickly he can pick up the little tricks, you know, to get, get those scoring, make scoring easier and be able to be a consistent, you know, threat in the NBA. I think the play in a 10 seed, when you look at the teams that were there, I mean, San Antonio was in it or in that stretch with Memphis and New Orleans hasn't been able to put it together. Uh, Minnesota, the bottom top teams in the West, I, I feel like they could leapfrog them if they're healthy. Okay. Let's go to Tamer Knight. Um, thank you for taking time to join us. How are you? I'm doing well. How about y'all? We're doing okay. Um, you were I at the I visitation? Yeah. Just... I didn't get to go. I, the weather is really bad right when I was leaving. So it was okay. flooding and I my car. So I just watched it on Facebook Live. But um, I did watch the first hour. And I, I just I want to get your thoughts on the Rockets playoff chances, but I think you told me you admitted to me that you and Cam had known each other for like years. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Went to Billy Baines Middle School, and that's in this uh, middle school, the very first middle school back in 2006 that was built uh, in Siena, Texas. And um, I met Cam in sixth grade, and I've had a class with him sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and always a very quiet and reserved guy. And then there was me, <laughs> annoying. And I would just kind of get him to talk. And then we went over to, he went to Hightower and I went to Elkins. But then, you know, they built Ridgepoint. And um, again, it was a class with them at least once a year or um, something like that. And so I, know, I remember our, our math class senior year. And, you know, he's always ran track and he's always been very quiet. So to just see him go, it's really, it really, it's really sad. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's hard. And, um, yeah, the circumstances of the entire thing is just heartbreaking. I'm going to talk to you after this. So uh, I'm going to call you. I'm not going to text. I'm going to call you. Okay. <laughs> in your, in your opinion, to the Rockets, should, should the playoffs be a goal for this year's Rockets? I mean, I don't mean to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they have a bit, like Andy was saying, I was listening to you, Andy, and you said they have a very young team, and that's just that. But then we have to also look at, you know, Milwaukee. They also have a very young team, and, you know, what they've been able to build over there, it's possible with the Rockets. However, I don't think it will happen this year. I think everybody's going to have to be able to mold and get to kind of know each other's playing styles before we can say they are a playoff team. And John Morant was it second year they made the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. First year, what they do? What did, what did he do? You play well, rookie of the year. Did he make the playoffs? Nope. Okay. 
so I'm on that uh, path. There's well, we have wrong. to get the summer league first because some of the guys that are there right now may not be. Oh yeah, we're not they, we're not talking about summer league stuff. I just the Rockets' goal this year is to get better. In my opinion, second well, year, Jalen Green, second better. year, playoffs. And then third year, keep getting better. Climb up, climb up that ladder. Because um, Memphis, I think people expect them to make the playoffs again. See if they were a fluke. The Rockets are not going to be expected or projected to make the playoffs this year. Now, if they have breakout year, you know, all of all the rookies and, and all that stuff, okay. Maybe they could be a nine or ten and fight for a, for a plan. I still don't think that's good, you know, getting into 7A, get swept in the first round, does anything for your development long-term. But the year after, as James touched on, you get another high lottery pick. You keep adding talent to the foundation, to the core. Rockets don't. These rookies are nice. All four of them, 19 years old. They're nice. That's a good foundation. Rockets are not great 9 through 12. Nine through fifteen, they got to add to it. This, this this team is not on the caliber of Phoenix, Lakers, Clippers, Memphis, <laughs> Dallas. Uh, you know they're not. They can get there in a in two years. This is going to be a fun team to watch. Let's enjoy this year. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the mistakes. Enjoy the highlights. It's going to be some. Oohs and ahs. Also going to be some ooh, ooh, ooh kind of stuff too. But that's that's my thoughts. On, I, hey, I could be wrong. I've been wrong many times in my 28 years doing this. But I don't believe they're going to make the playoffs this year. Of course, it's August 15th. If half the West gets hurt and to key players and, and they drop like flies, then Rockets have a chance to make the playoffs. Okay. But, you know. Okay. God, one well, man actually, is, is dedicated on here. He said we're underestimating the Rockets. No, we're not. This is this is August fifteenth. <laughs> underestimate anybody. <laughs> I want to see what they do in October, November, December. So you know none of that. But especially if they get rid of not get rid of excuse me, trade John Wall and Eric Gordon in December, and just throw, give the keys to the youngsters right off the bat and say, okay, y'all got it. They're not, they're not going to win a lot of games doing it that way. Will, before you shut out again, could, you, could the Rockets be on a Memphis Grizzlies path? Uh, the two-year plan? Yes, I'll take that. Yes. But what I'll say, I've been listening the entire time. And um, the 10th the seed last year in the West had 33 wins. So do you see a thirty? Do you see a thirty-three win team in Houston this season? Legitimate. I'm asking. Six, I'm not saying. No, no. Yeah, that's a fair yes question. No, that's that's a I mean, sixteen you, you win improvement. Much closer than not. No. No. That's thirty-three and forty-nine really? this year. I, I just, you know, Andy. I, I think if, if you got the Rockets, if thirty-three wins in the West this year, because you know it was ten less games last year because of shortened season. So let's prorate that to 39, 30, 39 and 43 
for the 10th spot. Let's go 35, 35-47 for the 10th spot. If, if that is the 10th spot, then the West is really going backwards in terms of quality teams. Because there were times in recent years where the West 10 deep was 42 and 40, if not better, 45-37. So if, if 35 gets you a 10th spot, then the West is, is bad. No longer good. Thoughts on that? And then we're going to close it out so everybody can go to uh, NBA TV and watch the Summer Rockets versus the Summer Magic. Andy? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, when you look at wins, I'm looking more at the teams that were ahead of them. And, you know, you look at Minnesota. Do you do you really feel like Minnesota will have a big leap? Uh, you know, honestly, I feel like San Antonio will have a, a drop off which is hard to say because uh, Greg Popovich always ends up coaching up that team, but I feel like they've they've lost a couple of more pieces. Well, I mean, yeah, they lost three key pieces of Patty Mills, DeMar DeRozan, and, uh, well, they lost Marcus Aldridge during the season. But that's that era, so now they're in a bit of a rebuild too. I could I could see them dropping out. And New Orleans, New Orleans lost. They're losing Lonzo Ball. They haven't been able to figure it out. The Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, they should make the playoffs. But, I mean, if they have an injury to Paul George or to any of the – I mean, that roster is, tends to be injury-prone too. I could see teams dropping to the point where the Rockets hover around that 10th spot and get into a play-in scenario. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, but I agree. You know, the, the seeding of this team would be a play-in game in my opinion <laughs> – but even then, if you can get in that game just to have a playoff atmosphere type of game, I feel like that'll be much more better for the young guys, especially to get Jalen Green, Jay Shante, Christian Wood, that type of experience early and accelerate that process. Because I think with the Rockets plan, it is a two-year plan once eventually, whether they trade John Wall or whatever they get back in return, by the time it's two years, they'll have much more cap room flexibility. And the idea would be that these young guys are get to the point where they're attractive where they can get a free agent and build from there, and that's where you go. And I feel like a play-in isn't too far-fetched, in my opinion. James? I mean, considering the, you know, how there was less games last year and a normal a normal schedule um, upcoming, I think where I've leaned towards is the 30-ish win range for the Rockets. And I'm more like you, Chris, where if, if that's good enough to get in the play-in game in the West, like that's a problem. And I don't see that happening. Um, and I, I, I'm just a firm believer in, you know, get the young guys experience, but then it, not making the playoffs is more beneficial just because you can add a, another piece um, through the draft. And yeah, so I see them around 30 wins this season. Okay, and let, let me say this before I, I go to Tamer and get Willie, get their thoughts. Um, the starters for the Rockets tonight versus the Summer Magic, Josh Christopher, K.J. Martin, Albie Sangoon, Armani Brooks, and Tremont Waters. Two of those guys practiced yesterday for the first time this summer. So good old Summer League is here. Tune in to NBA TV to watch the Summer Rockets versus the Summer Magic. Tamer, Rockets playing. Oh. Uh, 
10 seed, 9 seed, or just not make it at all and just go get a, as high a lottery pick as possible for next season? I think I think I'll go with the second option. I think that they just might. I mean, I think they have potential. Maybe depending on who is there once the season starts. Um, do I think they'll get thirty nine wins? No. I mean, considering they'll have more games than last season, then maybe it, it's possible. It's doable. But I agree that they're just on the two-year plan like the Spurs, and they're just going to have to be okay with not having a record-winning season or, you know, doing the better than some of the teams that we saw last season. But they're just going to have to accept that, and that's just what it's going to be, and they may go really low, and they might be aiming for a new um, – a higher seed next for in the draft. I can see the Spurs falling off. I can see that, yes. But yeah. everybody else, Minnesota will be better if, as long as they're healthy. Angelo Russell and and Cat and Anthony Edwards, that trio should be better than Rockets trio because this Rockets trio hasn't done it yet. So, and but this, go ahead. I, <laughs> I was trying to close it out for Will, but okay, Andy, you wrap it up, and then we're just going to wrap it up. Everybody, uh, tell folks how they can find you on the internet, and then we'll close it out. Go ahead, Andy. Wrap it up with telling people where to find me or get one more point. Oh, the point and then wrap it up. I was just, look at these Oklahoma City Thunder. Honestly, I feel like they could end, easily end up with the worst record in the West. They'll take over for the Rockets there. Timberwolves, Fair. Kings, Pelicans, Spurs. Those were teams 14 through 10 in the West. I mean, if everyone's healthy, could you really say that any one of those teams are clear cut, clear cut better than the Rockets? Yeah. Really? Which team? Yeah. Well, I know that they should be better based on who they have in development. Uh, the Kings should be better. Yeah. Because at some point they got it. They can't suck forever. They're, they're, they're coming real close though. I mean, they're, <laughs> they really are. They, they got it on lock. Just being awful for <laughs> 16, 17, oh. 20 years. Um, OKC will be bad. That's yeah. Sam Presti. Okay. They can be the, the, the floor for the conference, fine. Pelicans, they they put Willie Green, new head coach, in a tough spot. Okay, but they still have Zion. They still have pieces. They got to prove it. Um, the Kings, they got to, they have, they can score. Their problem is they don't have guys enough guys who want to play defense. I think they are beginning to change that mentality. So I'm going to pick them ahead of the Rockets. Utah is better. The Spurs, like I said, the Spurs are going to fall back, but it doesn't mean they're going to be fall, fall worse than 10th. This is a good debate. We can continue this, especially come September and October when we, when we get no. closer. There, there are also a couple of wild cards with Portland. Um, it looks like they're going to stand packed this season. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't know for the whole season. Uh, I think it, at some point Dame says he wants out. They'll try to make, another... make it a, a big deal to, to for everybody involved. But Andy, what you're doing is you're just bringing teams back to the Rockets level. Okay, <laughs> you're not saying the Rockets are going to win 38, 39, 40 games. 
you're saying other teams are going to come back down to the Rockets, and Rockets are going to get the 10th spot by default. <laughs> that's what, that's well, what you're hey, saying. Hey, I said the debate, hey, 10th, 10th spot is 10th spot. I, I think it's more curious just in terms of where the landscape is. Like, like we mentioned, it's August, so there's still a lot of variables that can play into whatever factors end up once the season starts. I mean, the Rockets could end up trading John Wall tomorrow and get, you know, what role players and interesting parts, draft picks, whatever. Um, so there's still a lot to debate, but I, currently constructed, I, I'm just saying if the Rockets, I feel like the ceiling could be a playing game. Okay. Ceiling is a playing game. Okay. That. I'm, I'm, that's 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 better than some of these folks on here. One of them comment had a Rockets as a seven seed. No. no, I just don't see that. I don't see that happening <laughs> at, at all. But hey, this is fun. This we got a lot of comments from folks today, so keep it coming. We're gonna uh, continue doing this for the rest of the year going forward. So start with Tamer. How can folks find you on social media? Oh. We have breaking news right now. Sorry, Tamar, I didn't mean to cut you off. But the Los Angeles Clippers just traded Patrick Beverly, Rajan Rondo, and Daniel Oturo. Oturo I, I see that. To the yeah. Grizzlies for Eric Bledsoe. Wow. Um, wow. I don't know more details about that, but it, hey, okay. Based off this trade, Clippers. Be bullish on the Clippers. I, I see them falling. That's an interesting trade. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, no. I mean, Eric Bledsoe. Will, come on, Will. Come on. Come on. Give me thoughts Thank on you. Eric Thank Bledsoe you. now. Thank come you. on. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, he's solid. I mean, he'll – he'll but with him and Reggie Jackson, is he going to be the backup and Reggie starts, or is they going to keep Reggie as the sixth man, or – How's that going to work? That's that's a great question because Reggie had a great playoffs. No doubt. Had a great playoffs. But Reggie is not as good as he thinks he is. Okay? So if he gets more minutes, I think more warts will show the more he plays. But that's, that is an interesting trade about for the Clippers. And Pat Bev... Rondo going to the Grizz. Both both of them won't, won't be there, won't stay in Memphis. So I'm kind of curious to see whether they'll be rerouted. But hey, as Summer League winds down, we, we got stuff to talk about for next week's show. So this this is a great thing. Um, this we didn't forget about the Clippers. Mm -hmm. The Clippers just aren't going to fall down to ten. <laughs> That's all. The Clippers could still be a, an eight seed, no. seven eight seed. No, it, they're not gonna fall down to ten un, unless if Paul George gets injured, Chris. Okay, well, Andy, we're gonna go that far. Then, of course, then what if Chris Paul gets hurt? What if LeBron gets hurt? AD gets hurt? What if Book gets hurt? What if um, Mitchell gets hurt? Rudy Gobert gets hurt? You know, on and on and on. We can do. Well, okay, I'll, I'll do it like this. What if Jalen Green gets hurt? What if Crystal Wood gets hurt? What if the Rockets have a have a second straight year of just injuries no. that you've never seen before? Then the, the Rockets the are right year. back for the number one seed contention, the number so, one pick contention. So yeah, this this is this this is fun. 
this is good. I, I guess nobody's watching the game. <laughs> that why they're, they're still commenting on on our on the show, which is which is good. But yes, Tamer, how can folks find you on the internet, social media? You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at T Night Sports. That's K T K N I G H T Sports on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, Tamer Knight, Easy Peasy on YouTube and. Thank you for having me, as always. And I'm so upset I missed uh, 90% of the conversation. Or debate, I should say. <laughs> That's you, right, Tamer? Isn't that you right there on Twitter? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right, Will. One more time. How can folks find you on social media? Uh, they follow me on Will Gibson 7, Twitter and Instagram, and the Will Knows Facebook page, the Will Knows Podcast. James, how can folks find you? Yeah, Twitter at JDM2186, and then all my work is on the dailycuser.com. Andy? Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at Ayanas underscore five. Be sure to check out our podcast, Pod Jamma, where we're hoping we have a, a big guest for our next episode. Well, uh, uh, I don't want to give too much away because we haven't secured a time yet, but we might have a potential guest for this week. Um, so be on the lookout for Pod Slime and Jamma. And of course, my work at Community Impact, we finally had our first monthly, because I'm with the Paraland side, so our first monthly edition where I have my fingerprints all over it. That came out last Friday. Um, so follow me on Twitter. I have a link to my Muckrack account that shows everything that I write. So please check that out. It was pretty cool and pretty awesome to finally have a, a I guess an official newspaper page right in front of you where I, I just like, I don't know. It's amazing. It's amazing how progress I've made since, since June. So check that out. Congratulations, man. And keep pushing forward. Uh, I am Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. Shout out to everybody commenting. Much appreciated. Y'all come back. I'm not sure when our next one's going to be. Um, maybe next Sunday. We're kind of like Sundays for flexibility right now, especially during off basketball season. But once football season starts, that may change a little bit. Time might change. But we'll see. Next Sunday, probably, this may be 7 o'clock Central Time. Right, Will? That's where I'm aiming for, I think, August 22nd at yes, 7 p.m. Central. If you haven't checked out my interview with Stephen Johnson from the Daily Memphian, yes, sir. it's on Houston Round Bar View YouTube channel. He talks about Jalen Duran um, signing with Memphis, or committing to Memphis, one of the top players from the class of 22 who reclassified for 21 who committed to Memphis and also possibility of Imani Bates doing the same thing and committing to Memphis. So that interviews on the YouTube channel after the Rockets, summer Rockets, summer magic game. I should have the post game comments from coach Weaver and one or two players on the channel as well. Hopefully within an hour, hour and a half after the game concludes, I've got a few other things. Reaching out to some other colleagues for interviews as well. I am up hopefully this week. I'm trying to continue my tour of the B Riders in the American Athletic Conference. Having something in the works, working on something uh, with Justin Gorham. And we'll see how it works. Not sure it'll be part of this show or interviews that I'll add to this show. We're trying to get Justin to uh, get his schedule once he finalizes his schedule to be part of this on a semi-regular basis. 
and get his um, follow him throughout this season overseas in Germany. Just working on that as well. So good things lined up. Uh, I may finally begin my one-on-ones YouTube style, not just audio style on the podcast platforms. Going to go video. So giving you, um, you, know, you might get tired of seeing my face on my channel because <laughs> if I go three, four times a week, giving my one-on-nuns, if you heard them, I don't hold back. You know, just like I do, I do on this show. I don't hold back. I give you my thoughts and give you some insight, kind of similar to what Bobby Marks does on Instagram, but it'll be on YouTube with a local flair, focusing more on the local teams, the Cougs, Rockets, Bryce Owls, and then some national NBA, WNBA, NCAA news as well. Everybody, thank you very much for participating. Y'all be safe. I will keep in touch. Uh, shootos, kudos to everybody who participated in the comments. Love to, to y'all. Love to my, my people, Willie, Tamer, James, Andy, Tamer. I'm getting ready to call you, so get ready. Everybody take care. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Folks Talk of Sports.